Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Goal-Directed Therapy in PAH, Using Guideline-Recommended Sequential Combination Therapy Based on Risk Stratification to Optimize Patient Outcomes. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Bayer Healthcare Pharmaceuticals, Incorporated. Hello, I'm Dr. Valerie McLaughlin, Director of the Pulmonary Hypertension Program at the University of Michigan. And I'm thrilled to be working on this program, reviewing current guidelines on using sequential combination therapy in patients with PAH, a focus on risk assessment. So in the first session, we're going to start with this three-strata model of risk assessment and the treatment algorithm. So in the recent ESC-ERS guidelines published in 2022, they updated this very famous table reviewing the risk assessment in patients with PAH. Over the years, we've learned that there are a number of variables that can predict the prognosis in patients with PAH. Very simple things like functional class, call walk, biomarkers, and then other assessments, including echocardiography and hemodynamics. And the table reviews the parameters that portend a low-risk prognosis, less than 5%, an intermediate-risk prognosis between 5 and 20%, and a high-risk prognosis greater than 20% at one year. And these parameters can be used to calculate a risk score and delineate low, intermediate, and high risk at baseline. If we focus on the treatment algorithm that has been published, it indicates that patients at high risk should be started on upfront combination therapy that includes a parenteral prostenoid, and patients at low or intermediate risk should be started on upfront combination therapy with an endothelin receptor antagonist and a phosphodiesterase type 5 inhibitor. And this is the initial therapy, and patients should be then reassessed within three to six months. And then we do the risk assessment again. And if patients achieve low risk status on initial PAH therapy, then continuing that therapy with regular risk assessment is recommended. However, if patients do not achieve low risk status, if at the next point in time, they are at intermediate risk and now we're doing a four strata and intermediate is categorized as intermediate low and intermediate high. So if they're at intermediate low, the guidelines recommend adding either Selexapeg or switching from a PDE5 inhibitor to Riosigwat. For patients who are at intermediate high risk while receiving dual oral therapy, the guidelines recommend considering parenteral prostacyclins and even referring for lung transplantation. So I think dividing that intermediate risk group into intermediate low and intermediate high is a really important part of the next step of the guidelines. In the next session, we will take a look at the biological rationale for the recommended sequential combination therapy approach. In this session, we're going to discuss the biological rationale for recommended sequential combination therapy in PAH. First, let's review why targeting the prostacyclin pathway may benefit patients with PAH 
whose mortality risk did not improve to low risk with upfront PAH combination therapy. So we all know there are many pathways involved in the pathogenesis of PAH. The three pathways that we've targeted over the past couple of decades include the nitric oxide pathway, the prostacyclin pathway, and the endothelin pathway. Let's focus first on the prostacyclin pathway. The deficiency here is a reduction in prostacyclin synthase, which is required to convert arachidonic acid into PGI2. There are a couple of ways to target this pathway. Historically, we have replaced prostacyclins with exogenous agents such as epoprostanol and traprostanol. But there's also another way by directly stimulating the IP receptor with an agent called selexapeg. Selexapeg is a prostacyclin receptor agonist that has different PK and PD properties than synthetic prostacyclins and other prostacyclin analogs. Next, moving to the nitric oxide pathway, the deficiency here is in nitric oxide synthase, which is required to convert L-arginine into nitric oxide. And we can attack this pathway in two different ways. Rio-Sigwat actually is a direct agent that acts independent of nitric oxide as opposed to the phosphodiesterase type 5 inhibitors. It increases cyclic GMP production by directly stimulating SGC independent of NO and sensitizing SGC to endogenous NO by stabilizing the NO-SGC binding. Both of these mechanisms result in vasodilatation and chronically they may have antiproliferative effects. In the next session, we will review the efficacy data for guideline-recommended sequential combination approaches for patients with PAH. In this section, we will discuss goal-directed therapy and review the efficacy of guideline-recommended sequential combination strategies in PAH. Let's start with the efficacy data of selexapeg when added to oral therapy with ERA and PDE5s. This study is the very large Griffon trial, which looked at over 1,100 patients with PAH who are on background therapy with one or two oral agents, and some of these patients were not on any background therapy. They were randomized to selexapeg or placebo in addition to their background therapy, and they were followed over a long period of time. This was an event-driven trial looking at morbidity and mortality events. When looking at these adjudicated events, we found a 40% reduction in the rate of events in patients who were taking selexapeg versus patients taking placebo in addition to their background therapy. So this demonstrated the efficacy of selexapeg as add-on therapy. Let's talk a little bit about Rio-Sigwat and how that was studied in patients on oral combination therapy not yet at goal. This trial was called REPLACE, and it was an open-label but randomized trial of 226 patients who were on oral therapy that included a PD-5 inhibitor and not meeting low-risk status. 
These patients were randomized to remain on their PDE5 or to switch over to Rio-Sigwat instead of the PDE5. The endpoint of this trial was an efficacy endpoint looking at a number of factors that include improvement in HALWAC functional class and biomarkers. And a higher proportion of patients randomized to Rio-Sigwat met that endpoint compared to patients who remained on their PDE5 inhibitor. We also have data with other agents for add-on therapy to oral agents, including intravenous traprostanol, which was studied in a study in Germany of 126 patients and demonstrated observationally an improvement in survival and the need for lung transplantation. And in a retrospective study, we have also seen improvements in patients who received either epoprostenol or traprostenol in addition to oral therapy when not at goal. So I think we have a number of studies indicating efficacy of add-on agents in patients who are treated with dual oral therapy who are not meeting goal. In the next session, we'll review the safety data associated with these sequential combination approaches. In this session, we're going to discuss goal-directed therapy with really a focus on the safety of the guideline-recommended sequential combination strategies in PAH. Let's first take a look at the safety profile of Selexapeg. So Selexapeg is an oral IP receptor agonist, and in fact, it has a number of the same side effects of the prostacyclin pathway. Now, remember, patients in clinical trials with PAH have a number of events, and this is very typical, but we can see in patients treated with selexapeg, the prostacyclin AEs really rise to the top. Things like headache, diarrhea, nausea, jaw pain are really classic prostacyclin symptoms. And I think over the years, we have learned that going up a little slower on the prostacyclin titration and really trying to manage the side effects can help them tolerate that drug better and get to their goal doses. If we move on to Rio-Sigwat, again, in clinical trials with PAH, we see these high proportions of patients with AE events. But of course, the side effects that we see the most common in the Rio-Sigwat group, again, have to do with vasodilatation and stimulation of the nitric oxide pathway. And these include a drop in blood pressure, headache, some GI side effects like dyspepsia, and a little bit of nasal congestion. Now, I would also just like to mention the safety profile of the parenteral prostacyclins because we think of those in terms of add-on therapies in patients who are not at low risk. And both of the parenteral prostacyclins can cause these prostacyclin side effects, including nausea, vomiting, headache, flushing, diarrhea. Also, patients who are on IV therapies are at risk for line infections and the risk of the line coming out and causing rebound pulmonary hypertension because of cessation of the infusion. And patients on sub-Q injections can cause a site pain. So I think it's really important to help manage these side effects that really takes a team to take care of these patients. 
letting them know that we have remedies for these side effects, antidiarrheal agents, pain relievers for headaches, antiemetics for nausea, in advance of starting the therapy and telling them that we'll work with them and really letting them have access to our nurses to talk through this is really important and helps keep the patients on therapy. In the final session, we will review the factors other than risk stratification that may help personalize the use of sequential combination therapy for our patients. So now let's move on to the next session, optimizing and personalizing the treatment of PAH. Of course, this is a devastating disease for many patients and they are on complex therapies. We need to take into account the pill burden, for example, the route of administration. All of these therapies are expensive. And then, of course, they all have side effects. And we need to consider that as we choose therapies for patients and also sometimes adjust the doses. And I think it's really important to highlight the short-term benefits that patients want to feel better. They want less shortness of breath in their everyday life. And the long-term benefits that we want for the patients in terms of reducing hospitalizations and prolonging life. All of the PAH therapies have side effects. They should all be used in patients with very clearly documented group 1 PAH and patients with other diagnoses such as pulmonary veno-occlusive disease may not do well on these therapies. Some of the side effects of Riosigwat include symptomatic hypotension, and so it's really important to check their blood pressure prior to initiating therapy, and we need to be cognizant of drug-drug interactions. This should not be used with other NO donors, PD-5 inhibitors, nitrates of any kind. All of the prostacyclins can cause similar side effects such as nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, flushing, headache. And then, of course, we also need to be cognizant of the side effects that are related to the route of administration. I think it's important also to remember that we need to continually reassess risk as we follow the patients every three to six months, repeating testing, including hall walk and biomarkers. And we often repeat echoes and sometimes even right heart catheterizations as we manage these patients over the long term. So I want to just highlight a couple of things as we think about treatment of our PAH patients. It's really important to do good objective risk assessment to help make those initial treatment decisions and risk assessments again on therapy and really try to drive the patients to the low risk status. We need to consider many factors as we think about therapy, including the side effects of the medications and tailor them to each individual patient. I really appreciate you joining me for this discussion. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.